Tiffany Drew Angela Jardine Tanya Holiak We'll take you to Vancouver, where the stories of women whose deaths are now the focus of an enormous trial has launched resolve of never again. I don't know what to do. I'm frustrated. I know what happened in my family. My sister got murdered as a result of a predator getting her that got a lot of other women. east side of Vancouver, British Columbia, is one of the city's oldest and most notable areas. However, the reputation it carries is one of high crime rates, drug use, poverty, and sex work. The downtown east side is also listed as one of the poorest postal codes in Canada. In the 80s, the downtown east side began its rapid decline. Deinstitutionalization of mentally ill individuals was happening, federal funding for social housing was being cut, and in 1997, the area was declared to be in a state of a public health emergency due to the rise in HIV and drug overdoses that were happening. The downtown east side also has a disproportionately high amount of missing women, and if the area sounds familiar to you, it's probably because you've heard the name mentioned along with the well-known Canadian serial killer, Robert Picton, who preyed on sex workers, many of whom came from this area. Many of Picton's victims have been named, but many haven't, and there still may be victims of his that have not been found to be connected to him. One of those is Angela Mary Arsenault. Angela went missing during the time Picton was active, but her body was never found, and it's unclear if she is connected to him. Angela was born May 20th, 1977, and was 17 when she went missing. Angela went by the name Angie, or sometimes used the alias last name Baines and Kennedy. When Angela was younger, her parents separated, and she was raised by her mother and stepfather, and they moved around a lot. At the time of her disappearance, she was living in Burnaby, British Columbia, with her boyfriend, who some articles refer to as her common-law spouse. At the time of her disappearance, Angela also worked in the sex trade, and was a known drug user, which is why people believe she might be linked to Picton. On August 19, 1994, she had gone shopping with her boyfriend in Vancouver. She got on a bus home. When her boyfriend got home later that evening, Angela's purse was on the counter, the lights were on, and a window was open, but Angela was nowhere to be seen. Angela was finally reported missing on August 29, 1994, 10 days after she went missing. And there is no information after this point, including who was questioned or not. It's not even clear whether or not Angela's boyfriend was ever considered a suspect. Some find it odd that her boyfriend waited 10 days to report her missing. But because Angela sometimes went into Vancouver to work, he could have been waiting for her to come home before reporting her missing. 
but more than likely what happened is that he might have tried to report her missing sooner, but because of her history and the fact that she was a known drug user and a sex worker, the police most likely brushed it off, and it wasn't until 10 days later that it was taken seriously. What is strange about this case, as it is with so many others, is that Angela left her purse behind, which led many to think that she was stepping out and coming back. However, Angela was last seen on the 19th, so it was unclear if she maybe had returned home at some point that evening to grab what she needed from her purse when her boyfriend was out. We also have no information about the nature of their relationship because of the lack of reporting on this case, so it can be hard to say whether or not he would be considered a suspect. Angela was and still is considered to possibly be a victim of Robert Picton. The reason that she has not been considered to be connected to him is because when his property was searched, her DNA was not found. Picton also used to host parties on his farm, which included sex workers, so it's unclear if Angela might have ever at some point come in contact with him. Another thing about her disappearance is we don't know if anyone was back at the house when Angela went missing. Since it is reported that she returned home alone, we actually don't know if somebody was meeting her there or if she met someone on the way. Since the last known reporting is that Angela boarded a bus alone, we don't know if she met someone on the way, met someone on the bus, or met someone back at her apartment. Unfortunately, everything I just said is all the information that's online about Angela, just the basic facts about her disappearance. But based on this, I'm going to try to go a bit more in depth with what we have and discuss some theories and oddities about the case. In an article, Angela's family states that they most likely believe she was a victim of foul play and is deceased. On some online forums as well, many chalk it up to foul play because of her supposed risky lifestyle. But what if it wasn't a stranger who committed the crime? I'm going to sit with the boyfriend as a suspect for a moment. I assume that Angela's departure on the bus back to the apartment was in a statement from her boyfriend, as he was the last person to see her alive. And so in a sense, because this is what he said, and it's just word, we don't really know if she actually got on the bus back to Burnaby. It could have been a lie. Her purse could have been left at the apartment by someone she knew, or her boyfriend could have taken the purse back with him to create an alibi. Another theory building off this is Angela asked her boyfriend to take her purse home and went to go meet somebody elsewhere. Although this is a strange theory, it might be a possibility. There are many questions surrounding whether or not Angela actually made it home to the apartment that night and left again, or if she stayed in Vancouver. The other theory that I had mentioned before is that she was a victim of Picton. Angela went missing when he was active. And as I had mentioned, her connection has been ruled out by some sources online because her DNA was not found on his property. 
but this does not mean that she was not a victim of him. Her DNA could have been lost on the property, or he may have killed her elsewhere. Nevertheless, it shouldn't be ruled out, because as we know, there are only 26 women that are linked to Picton, and the police assume that there are many more. Also, in an article with Picton, a cop is interviewing him. She reads a list of missing women, and Angela's name is on that list. It was also on the list of missing women that was read to Picton when he was initially charged. It's still unclear whether it's connected, though. I did find an interesting website. It offers an interactive timeline of all the women who've gone missing in the downtown east side. It also presents a progression of Picton becoming known to the police and being charged. I will link it in the show notes for you guys to take a look at. Normally, I end these episodes with my own theory, or I discuss a little bit more, but I honestly don't know what my theory is about this case. I do have a feeling she could be connected to Picton, but I also think it's easy to connect a lot of disappearances around that time to him because he was such a prolific serial killer and because he had so many victims. But part of me also feels that Angela's case isn't connected to Robert Picton and that she actually didn't return home that day. Angela's case, like so many other women who went missing in the downtown east side of Vancouver and who still go missing today, is lacking in a lot of information. We have no updates online about the follow-up or the investigation, if there was any. All we have are the same facts repeated over and over again, that she boarded a bus, left her purse in the apartment, and was never seen after that. Unfortunately, this episode is going to be a shorter one, but it's also an important one. It sheds light on how certain cases receive more publicity in the media. We can't forget about the women who may lead riskier lifestyles, and we can't write off their cases because they are still important. They're all somebody's family, friend, sister, girlfriend, wife. I picked Angela's case for this week's episode because I had read about it a few months ago, and it's really been sitting with me since. It really bothered me that Angela was 17 when she went missing, and there was little to no information about her online. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll be back next week with another. I want to remind you that for the month of December, I'll be posting episodes weekly. If you have any questions, or you want to submit a case, or you just want to drop us a line, email us at coldgirlspodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, at coldgirlspod.